Here at Freddy's, we could tell you how our original double is a steak burger made with 100% lean ground beef. Cooked to order with deliciously crispy edges. And finished off with our Freddy's famous seasoning. But we'd rather let our original double speak for itself. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. Enjoy food made fresh the Freddy's way. Tap now or learn more at freddysusa.com. Here at Freddy's, we could tell you how our original double is a steak burger made with 100% lean ground beef. Cooked to order with deliciously crispy edges. And finished off with our Freddy's famous seasoning. But we'd rather let our original double speak for itself. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. Enjoy food made fresh the Freddy's way. Tap now or learn more at freddysusa.com. You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Greetings, guys and ghouls, and welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Before we start tonight's show, please have a listen to this promo of a podcast that we think is to die for. New to the Dark Myths Collective, Southern Gamore with K.D. Burr. Listen to your favorite village witch explore unsolved crimes. Few have heard of the Butcher of Oklahoma City, who earned his name for the gruesome way he disposed of his victims. Mysteries. Rumors and questions about the monstrous brothers persisted. It was agreed that the Carter's bodies should be exhumed and investigated, but their caskets were empty. Legends. The man was terrified to see the creature crawl out of the field and begin to sprint, running alongside his car at incredible speeds. He'd only heard of skinwalkers and his grandmother's stories. And haunted history. Castle Frankenstein was a real place in Germany, and in 1673, Johann Dippel was born there. Southern Grimoire with Katie Burr. Listen at southerngrimoire.buzzsprout.com dot com or on your favorite podcast platform.
Welcome to episode 85 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. My name is Jerry and I'm joined by my wife, Tracy. Hi, guys. And now that we have dogs barking all over the neighborhood, um, we've got a cool show for you tonight. I'm excited about this one, as I am every show. You are. You're always excited. You know, some of these shows, the topics don't really get my blood pumping until <laughs> I start getting into the research. And then the more research I do, the more excited I get about it. So that's just the way it is. Well, I'm glad for your blood pumping fiasco. And this story tonight, you guys weighed in on, at least the ones in the group. So if you're not part of our group, Hillbilly Horror Stories on Facebook, you need to join up. Come on! We have a lot of fun in there. And what I did um, earlier in the week was I put a poll up and I listed, I don't know, it was like eight or nine topics. And he says poll, he means a stripper poll, right up in the bedroom. No, it was not because it would get unused. So... (laughs) <laughs> Ninja was working it pretty good the other day Well, we are close to Louisville, so there could have been some Louisville Cardinals in there <laughs> You never know That's why That's why we don't put stripper poles up We don't need them in our bedroom yeah. So, we put this poll up We put seven, eight, nine different uh, topics on there And told uh, the listeners that you pick the stories we'll do the next two weeks So, with the first and second place Will be this week's show, next week's show And it was actually a tie so I went ahead and went with the uh, Tower of London. That's the story we're doing tonight. Next week, we're going to do a Robert the Doll reboot or revisit, I guess, as Phil Holmes said. Speaking of which, Phil Holmes, the host of Scared, will actually be uh, on a little later in this show. Talking a little bit about Tower of London and his show Scared. Awesome. So, yeah, this was, this one's going to be pretty cool. Uh, before we get deep into the story, though, I wanted to talk about some upcoming guests we have. I just finished uh, a couple of nights ago an awesome interview with John E.L. Tenney. Most of you will probably know who he is. If you don't, you need to know who he is. This guy is a uh, all things weird guy. I mean, I say that in the nicest way, as you'll hear in the interview. Very but, interesting. Yeah, this guy, he's he knows paranormal stuff. He knows cryptid stuff. He knows... Uh, UFO stuff. I mean, it's this guy is a jack of all trades when it comes to weird. And he's traveled the last 28 years doing lectures on the weird. So I mean that in, as an utmost compliment when I say weird because that's what he would prefer to be called. With that being said, that interview will be on next week because we already have a pretty full show. But upcoming guest we have Keith Lender. You may not have heard of this guy, but he has an awesome story. Documentary getting ready to come out. A book coming out on the Bothell. Hell House, which is, man, an unbelievable story that's up around the uh, Seattle, Washington area. I know, it's, I know it's up in Washington. I think it's close to Seattle, though. And this guy has had all kinds of demonic presences in his house. It's garnered uh, national attention. He's been on tons of different other paranormal shows. He's been on a bunch of uh, news channels. So it's going to be fun to get his story. And then uh, Adam Berry, which most of you guys will know as uh, the co-host of Kindred Spirits, along with Amy Bruni, uh, we're going to have him coming up. So the next three weeks is going to be uh, awesome for you guys guest-wise. So I'm excited about that. And then we started off tonight with Phil Holmes from Scared. Tracy, go ahead and let's jump in with the... Um, oh, I got some in my eyeball, though. Hold not on. important. Oh, my lordy. The listeners come first. Okay. And on with the show. So before Tracy reads this week's iTunes reviews and, and uh, Patreon supporters, big shout out. Thank you to all of our military, civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you work for, support. Thank you for everything you do. Yes, we appreciate you guys so much. You'll, I just don't know if you realize how much you are appreciated, but we love you and we pray for you guys all the time. 
All right. So, Tracy, iTunes reviews this week. We had a bunch of them. We beginning did. Of the week. Okay. Our first one was from Mailers. And the next one is pretty long numbers, but I'm going to block it out. So it's 6473, 8297, 4646, 3782, 82. Woohoo! I'm assuming that's somebody's credit card number. <laughs> oh, and that's Lord. probably an expiration date. Oh, no, my gosh. I hope that's not true. <laughs> Don, Magic One, 67. Mm-hmm. Mike, not Ike. I love it. Fun Guy, 2009. Elizabeth nine two five zero four, Deb fifteen sixty nine, S Burgess one thirty one, zero nine six Pixie. We can't thank you guys enough. Love, love the reviews. You guys are so awesome, and it just makes my day every day. So keep on bringing those reviews on, and we're gonna do our best to keep bringing you the great stories you guys deserve. We also had a couple of new Patreon supporters this week. Thank we you so did. much. We did. Chelsea Smith, Leslie Tyler, and Carol Ann Dowd. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you guys' support um, just through iTunes reviews, Patreon. We love you guys so much. Yep. We just released a, um, a Patreon episode earlier in the week, and it was Haunted Cincinnati. So we had a bunch of stories from... Cincinnati on there. We did. Those daggone stories were good. I mean, you had the Cincinnati Zoo. We Look, I'll, I'll be a little bit of a spoiler alert. There was a cemetery that back in the 1800s, they had a room that if you went through the cemetery too fast in your car, they would arrest you and keep you overnight. No way. You heard that story. You know, I did <laughs> hear it, but I don't know. I, I just so I just still find it hard to believe. So well, like, don't speed. My we're, gosh. We're going to give you all kinds of stuff that's hard to believe tonight because we're going to talk about the infamous tower of london and what i like about these stories is everybody's into game of thrones yes except for me because i've never seen it and because of me because i've never seen it either but my daughter has loves it wears their underwear their t-shirt so if you're glad you just threw her dirty underwear all over the place but the fact that so many people are into it. I think this story may actually mean a little more to you because most of the stories have to do with similar to what you see on there. This this is real life Game of Thrones right here. And I yeah. got to imagine that's where most of these stories were inspired by the things that happened in uh, England during the early, early days. So let's go on like we normally do. Let's do some history. The Tower of London was built by William the Conqueror in 1078. That's a long time ago. It was. A little bit before my time, even. It's a complex of multiple buildings set within two rings of walls built to keep intruders out. So you can imagine back mm-hmm. in the day. So that's kind of hard to picture, but if you you can pull pictures up so you don't really have to picture it. That's true. That's And we'll be bizarre. posting some pictures tonight, obviously. Okay, good. Several expansions were made over the year by different kings during the 12th and the 15th century. So over the years, there have been several different uh, modifications, I guess, and additions made to the tower, but it's still pretty much the original layout from what it was in the beginning. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. The Towers of London has played a major role in the history of England. You know, it's funny, though. You know, we talk about over here, I guess it's all about perspective. And I talk a little bit about this with Phil Holmes later, because obviously he lives in Mm -hmm. in England. And when I ask him the question about, hey, you know, everybody over here says the most haunted place in the world, Tower of London. Just without a doubt, almost everybody says that. Mm-hmm. 
And I asked him about it, and he says it doesn't even really come up on the list of like top five, ten oh, over you're there. Kidding. But you know, I guess it's just like anything else. They may say Waverly, where we're yeah. right by Waverly, and may say Tower. So it's perspective, I think. I think yeah. if it's close to you, you know, it's he, like no big deal, I guess. Yeah, but I think you'll find that part of the conversation fascinating about when we get into perspective uh-huh. from what England sees as most haunted as opposed to what we see. Pretty cool. Now, like I said, you know, this the Tower of London has play, played a major role in England. So it's been a treasury. It's been a public records office, an armory, and the Royal Mint. And it is currently the home of the Crown Jewels. Ooh, nice. Yep. You can't mention England's history without mentioning the Tower of London. It's just that simple. It's been besieged several times. Kings and conquerors believed that in order to control the country, you had to control the tower. It was that simple. And during the 15th century, the tower was used as a prison. Mm-hmm. The peak period of it actually being a prison was in the 16th and 17th century, though. So it was a little bit later when it really became well known as a prison. The use of the tower as a prison made the term sent to the tower popular. Lots of prominent people were held captive there, including Elizabeth I. So most people talk about the tower being a place of death and torture, which you can imagine. What most people will be surprised to find out is there were actually only seven people executed within the walls of the tower. Well, that's not very many. I mean, it's too many, but... Now, up on the hill, on the other hand, there was 112 executions in a 400-year period. Oh. Most of these executions were beheadings. Oh, my gosh. 93, to be exact. Oh, wow. And there was 11 by firing squad. That actually happened uh, during, like, the World Wars. Yeah. Because there were some people that was sent there from espionage. We'll get in that just a little bit later. John Taylor and uh, Anthony Salvino restored the towers back to, I guess, its medieval appearance the best that they could. They cleared out all of the most medieval structures. Yeah. They kind of took it back. To the day when when they took it over. Now during World War One and Two, they were uh, used it, using it as a prison again, and once again, eleven men were executed there for espionage. So that's where it gets into. Well, uh, they don't play, do they? Oh no, no. So the tower was badly damaged during the Blitz of World War Two when they were dropping all the bombs and stuff over there. They repaired it and opened it up to the public. And today, the tower is cared for by the historic Royal Palace. Hmm. I wonder if they used cannonballs. I don't think they did in World War II. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, back in the other day. What other day? The other day when they were fighting. <laughs> no? <laughs> oh. No cannonballs even in World War II? World There's World no World possible II? way I can have two wives with cannonball stories. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about the other one. <laughs> and the, okay, so I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Because I don't know if she'll listen or not. So, my ex-wife, years and years ago, and keep in mind, she was young, so we'll use that as an excuse. So, we were having a talk. We we lived really close to Fort Knox, and Fort Knox would have, uh, I guess, like, uh, not reenactments, but you know, practices, I guess, yeah. like a better term, maneuvers, whatever they would call it, where they actually shoot off the guns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kind of big yeah, weapons like, like that we use the nowadays. House. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what exactly what would happen. We weren't that far from it. So when they would do that, you could hear the boom and the windows and stuff would rattle. And my ex-wife at one point said, what do they do with all those cannonballs? Oh. And I just smiled and looked at her and I said, what cannonballs? <laughs> and she's, she was thinking... 
<laughs> that they still use cannonballs today. <laughs> yeah, those I was a little farther back. Come on now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that story is kind of funny. But today the, <laughs> today, the towers are actually protected by the World Heritage Site. So, oh. pretty good. It should come to no surprise that the several ghosts reportedly haunt towers, searching for either justice or, my guess, their heads. heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. We shouldn't laugh at that. Nah, well, I mean, they've been dead for a long time, so yeah. there's nothing we can do about it. We're going to cover some of the most commonly seen ghosts. And what I'm going to do, I've got a bunch of stories to share mm-hmm. together. Some of them are shorter, but some of the better ones I saved for the end to get a little more detail. This is just a pretty big topic, and I wanted to get to as many different stories as I could yeah. to try to cover as much as I can. Because like I said, the Tower of London is not an easy subject to get into because mm-hmm. I could have probably picked 50 other stories to tell. Wow. Good. I can't wait to hear. So I wanted to start with probably the most strange of the spirits that haunt. And it's in the Royal Menagerie. It's the spirit of a bear. It, that And this bear actually lived there at one point in time. Like he had his own room? Well, I don't think he had his own room. I guess the question would be, what the hell was a bear doing there? First of all, don't curse at me. Okay, I cursed at myself. I was going to say, when did I curse? In 2010, King John assembled a bunch of animals at the tower. And he used them for fighting expositions. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, for spectators. Nope. So this was an awful practice, as you can imagine. And it was pretty popular, though, with the people. Um, I'm thinking Michael Vick may have been involved. Maybe yeah. not in 12,010. <laughs> I don't think so, hon. <laughs> but over the years, it became somewhat of a makeshift zoo where visitors could see strange beasts from all over the world, including a polar bear. Now, that's not what they're seeing as a polar bear. They're seeing a regular bear. But wow. In 1832, the Duke of Wellington moved all the animals to the London Zoo. So I guess that's a little better. Some believe that the troubled spirits of these animals, including lions and monkeys, haunt the tower. And obviously, we've got the bear. So one guard said that the ghost of this bear kind of charged at him. And then it disappeared as soon as he stabbed it with his bayonet. Oh, wow. How do you stab a ghost? Apparently you don't. That's why it disappeared. Oh. So continuing with the odd stories. The oldest tower is the White Tower. This is where Henry VIII's armor is stored at. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, people claim that when they walk into this room that they feel this horrifying, crushing sensation uh, that stays with them the whole time that they're in there. Now, the minute they leave, the feeling kind of goes away. Guards have been attacked by unseen forces in there, and one was actually covered and strangled by a head, you know, a real big heavy cloak. Yeah. And he said that when he finally got free, he looked around, you know, he got the thing off and looked around, and there was nobody in the room with him. So, but something was covering him with this and like forcing it down on him. Mm-hmm. So, like the other people before, they that was it mostly that they couldn't breathe. Because they felt the pressure or like, yeah. were, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, a little bit of that and just the fact of like a, a heaviness of, oh, of yeah. like something's wrong. Like, oh. you know, kind of like you feel it a, right after you get some really bad news yeah. or something like that. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Another guard stopped to rest his feet. He took his shoes off and right afterwards he heard a whisper behind him say, it's only you and I here. Oh. I'm guessing... Pretty soon it was just the other person because he probably got the hell out of there. Oh, I'm sure. But nobody's really sure if the spirit's Henry VIII or some other malevolent spirit. Man. But it's obviously not a good spirit. That is creepy. 
So let's get into some of the more popular stories, just the of, of people. And what I'll do is I'll kind of break it down a little bit about the history of that person and yeah. what happened to them, and then what we've seen ghost wise. Okay. And this is going to be a big history lesson for it's more more history than paranormal, but I think it's going to be very enjoyable. So Lady Arbella Stewart. Lady Stewart was the second cousin of Queen Elizabeth I, which we've already said she spent some time in the in the tower as a prisoner. She secretly married William Seymour, who was the nephew of Lady Jane Grey. Now, we're going to get into a great story of Lady Jane Grey a little bit later, but it's irrelevant at this moment. This pissed off King James I that she had this secret marriage. Because... After they got married, he saw them as a threat to the throne, which we're going to see a lot of in most of these stories. So he sent both of them to the tower, uh, her husband, William Seymour, and, and Lady Arbella. They tried to escape. Unfortunately, it was not really successful because what she tried to do was get on a ship and stow away, but somebody recognized her on the ship, so they sent her back. She was supposed to rendezvous and meet up with William Seymour, but he missed it. He missed the boat? He missed the boat. She got sent back, and then he still got away. So he ended up going to, like, France or something like that, and they never saw each other again. Oh, my gosh. What somebody had to be a snitch for? I don't know. Just let true love happen. So heartbroken, she refused to eat, and she died in the tower in 1615. (gasps) She said to haunt the uh, Queen's house. Well, we'll get into the Queen's house a whole bunch in here. The governor of the tower lived right there in these rooms, from 1994 to 2006, he reported one time that his wife was pushed so violently by an unseen force that it knocked her completely out of the room and into the hallway. Oh, wow. Other people have seen her walking around the grounds of the tower just kind of weeping. So I wonder, though, if she was didn't eat and all that because she was sad she got caught or that she was pissed off he didn't try to come back and, and fetch her. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be coming back, and, and I don't think they definitely fetched anybody back in the day. That you was, don't know. That was more of a... <laughs> I don't think they were... Ye old, fetch ye old. I guess maybe they did. They might have. And that's really a very sad story. It is a sad story. That, and that makes that's me mad. just the beginning of several sad stories. Aww. There's no good stories in here, just okay. so you know. Okay. All right. Margaret de la Pole. She was a stripper. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> in 1541, the tower saw one of its most gruesome botched executions... In the history of the tower. Oh my gosh, what happened? Mar- Margaret de la Poe was the Countess of Salisbury. Love their steaks. Don't you like Salisbury steaks? No, Jerry, get on with the program. She was arrested and sent to the tower as an enemy of the state. Now, because her son, now get this, she didn't do anything wrong. It's because of her son. He was a cardinal and he denounced Henry VIII as head of the Church of England. Well, unfortunately for Margaret, her son was in France, so Henry took his anger out on her. Oh, man. Dear old mom. When they brought her to the scaffold to behead her, she refused to kneel. (gasps) Wait. Yeah, you have to kneel. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. She basically said that traitors kneel, and I'm not a traitor. She said it in a more elegant way, but that's what it it meant. And yet, you're right. Let's, Let's cover that a little bit. Picture everybody has thought of like when they do the hangings, they got the, you know, the yeah. big scaffold. Same situation. It's basically a stage. They have a block, a wooden block that sits on the scaffold 
and you get down on your knees and you lay your throat on that block. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So yeah, you, I couldn't imagine. Here, go ahead and get down on your knees and just people voluntarily doing that when they're getting ready to have their head cut off. Yeah. But that is exactly how they went down. So, well, she came from a noble background. So she's, you know, a lot of kings, queens, dukes, stuff like that in her, in her family. So she was a pretty prominent person. So about 150 people were there to see her execution. When the executioner raised his axe, she took off running. So he chased her around, hacking at her <laughs> until she was dead. I'm sorry. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny at all. It isn't funny. I can just picture that as not funny. Like some Benny Hill music playing around. <laughs> but listen, why couldn't her famous family protect her? The Kings and queens were being killed on a regular basis. There was no protecting from anybody. Oh, well. Once again, the whole Game of Thrones type thing. Oh, well, I don't watch that, so I well, don't know what the heck. I don't watch it either, but I know what it means. Okay. The screams of Margaret are frequently heard at the site of her, at the where the scaffold is, where her uh, visitors claim that they've seen a reenactment. Oh, my of gosh. This. Like, it's, this just plays out over and over yeah. where people can see it, even Why though. Why did she run faster? Well, she's on, up on a. <laughs> She's up on a little. Oh, I thought she jumped here. off of it. No, no. <laughs> then we got maybe the most famous ghost of all of it, uh, Queen Anne Boleyn. Now, she was the second wife of Henry VIII. This is a very sad story too. She was accused of adultery and incest with her brother George. Well, that's gross. She, she was beheaded at the Tower in fifteen thirty-six. Before her execution, though, and this is right before, she told the crowd not to blame her husband. Now, you would think that would mean, well, I mean, mm-hmm. she's, she's guilty, so mm-hmm. not the case. She said that Henry made up these charges so that he could remarry so he could get a male heir to the throne because apparently she couldn't have kids. Well, that's not her fault. Her fault or not, she had her head cut off. Well, I guess they'd never heard of friends with benefits back in the day. <laughs> Look, if you had come, if he had come to me and said, "Hey, you can't give me no kids, so you're either going to let me have sex with another, or I'm going to cut your head off." What do you think I'm going to say? Sex it up, do uh-huh. it. Don't uh-huh. cut my head off. That's uh-huh. what I would say. I don't know that you'd say that or not. I would. I don't want my head cut off well, rolling a, around like least, a bowling ball. At least I know what my options are. Well, there you go. But <laughs> so, everybody heard it. So there you go. Don't behead me. I just can't imagine a situation to where this is somebody that you're married to. And just because she can't. Okay, I get it. Have you ever heard of a divorce? Um, Hello. That's what I'm saying. Anne's usually seen near the site of her execution and uh, in the queen's house. Because we talked about the mm-hmm. Queen's House the last time. It's called the Queen's House because Henry VIII had it built for Anne, Queen Anne. Sometimes she's seen at the altar of the chapel where her body is. Towards, she's, I guess she's buried in there. One guard tells the story of seeing a hooded figure in that area. He said, despite uh, the guard's direct order to pretty much leave and get out of there, the figure just kept approaching him. Mm-hmm. And... Once it started coming quicker, he decided to charge at the figure, and uh, he pulled out his bayonet, and about that time, 
he realized that the um, figure there, A, had no head, and he ran right through it. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? No. Nope. Because he didn't have no head and he couldn't see with no eyeballs. But I don't think that's... <laughs> Maybe it's because it was just spirit. Man, that, that is some hardcore crap, man. I, I would not <laughs> want to... What? I was going to say, it's just... Uh, it's, that, it's the craziest stuff I've ever heard. So now let's talk about Anne's cousin, Catherine Howard, because she actually suffered the same fate as Anne, hadn't been her head cut off. Her ghost is seen in Hampton Court where... Um, she briefly escaped from the guards, who then, you know, caught up with her and arrested her. But she ran down the hall to plead her, her for her life with Henry, and he was attending mass inside the chapel. You know, because being a good guy that he is going yeah, to church on a yeah. regular basis. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah this didn't do her Please really- forgive me, God. I'm about to behead another <laughs> person in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Give me a break. So this didn't really do any good because, you know. They caught her, and she was beheaded anyway. Well, she wasn't beheaded in the church, I hope. No, they didn't, well, they didn't just catch up with her like they did, you know, your girl. They wouldn't chasing her oh down. Oh, my gosh. This is my, making my stomach hurt. Well, there's plenty more. So your stomach will be, oh you'll, you'll need some antacid or something for this is over with. <sighs> then we got the ghost of Edmund Bonner. He was the Bishop of London, and supposedly he haunts Bethnal Green, which is another part up there. Uh, Edmund had a, a few fun nicknames, uh, Bloody Bonner was you know, one of his names. That's that's fun. He gained it from his uh, persecution of Protestants under uh, Mary the First's reign. He used to own property there. Uh, that's why they have Bonner Road and Bonner Street, and it's all named mm-hmm. after him. So, not too much on him, but yeah, he's one of the ones that you see. Now, here's a name everybody will know, but I didn't know a whole lot about this gentleman until I did some research, so it's kind of cool. Sir Walter Riley's ghost. Has been spotted at the tower. He was imprisoned there for 13 years. I had no clue no that. Kidding. Yeah, so everybody knows he was a big explorer and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, what the heck did he do? Well, he's got kind of a unique story because he's also seen in Devon and Beddington in South London, where he owned some land there too. So legend has it that his wife arranged to have his body secretly buried at the church um, there at, at Beddington. Mm-hmm. But... Historical research actually states that he was buried at St. Margaret in Westminster after he was executed in 1618. I thought I wanted to dig a little bit into who Sir Walter Raleigh was and how all this happened. Because I've heard of him my yeah. entire life. I never had a clue that he was executed no, and all not, this stuff. So not here's, even. So here's what happened. During Elizabeth's reign, Sir Walter Raleigh actually organized three major expeditions to America, including the first English settlement in America in 1587, which was Roanoke, the whole missing, mm-hmm. um, you know, the missing colony and all that stuff. So that didn't really work out real well for him, I don't guess. Raleigh later fell out of favor with Queen Elizabeth after she learned that he had a secret marriage to a young lady by the name of Bessie Throckmorton. What about, how'd you like to have that name? Mm-hmm. You probably need to be executed just for that. This really kind of pissed, you know, Elizabeth off because uh, Bessie was one of her maids of honor at her wedding. So I guess she kind of felt like that, mm-hmm. you know, that was betrayal, which, you know, well, once yeah. again, she's already married. Don't understand what the problem is. So she turned around and imprisoned Sir Walter Raleigh and Bessie in the Tower of London. He was able to buy his freedom. So I guess if you had enough money, you could buy your freedom. So Sir Walter Raleigh formally married Bessie and distanced himself from the 
jealous queen because you can imagine that well, kind yeah. of problems you could run into. So after Elizabeth died in eighteen or sixteen oh three, Sir Walter Raleigh was implicated as a foe of King James the First and imprisoned with a death sentence. So they thought they had like a coup working against him to try right. to overthrow him. They put in a gave him the death penalty, but the death sentence was was commuted. A little bit later, and in 1616, Sir Walter Raleigh was freed to go lead an expedition into the New World again, this time to establish a gold mine in the Orinoco River region of South America. But this was a big disaster. It was a big failure. It didn't work. So when he got back to England, the death sentence uh, of 1603 was invoked against him. Why so, did he go back to England? Well, I guess he had to. But right. didn't, didn't He probably didn't think there was going to amount to anything. So he thought he was just going to go back, hey, y'all, what's up? Well, I mean, they let him out to go do this exposition, you know, this expedition, so. Hmm. But anyway, that's a little bit of history on well, Sir Walter Raleigh. But he that. haunts all kinds of different parts of England, yeah. apparently. So let's talk, everybody knows Henry VIII. Let's talk about King Henry VI. So if you haven't noticed already, most of the grisly deaths in the tower were like a real-life Game of Thrones, like we've talked about. So King Henry was the only son of Henry V. He was in line to inherit the English uh, and the French throne. I don't know how you inherit yeah, both of those. Yeah, how do you do that? But that's what he was in line for. Henry VI seemed to always find himself into some kind of royal squirmish. I mean, I don't know what his problem was, but mm -hmm. there was always something going on. And in 1471, during the uh, Wars of the Roses, which I didn't even realize that movie was out then. I guess that was... <laughs> it's a good movie, though. It is a good movie. Henry VI was imprisoned by the House of York at the Tower. Initial reports said that Henry died brokenhearted of an illness in the tower May 21st, 1471. But the likely truth is, it's probably something a little more sinister, as we could imagine. The story goes that after Henry's imprisonment, Edward, Richard of York's son, took control of the throne. And after the Battle of Tewkesbury, he called for Henry's assassination. Henry was stabbed to death as he was kneeling in prayer in the Wakefield Tower. Every year on the anniversary of his death, his ghost is seen to appear pacing around the exact spot that he was killed, and he disappears at the last stroke of midnight. Wow. Well, at least he was praying while he was getting stabbed to death. I guess so. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Now, we're going to start to get into some of the stories that I found a little more fascinating. Lady Jane Grey, I told you earlier that we were going to talk about her. This is maybe the saddest story out of all. Well, no, it's not. The last one's the saddest one, but this is right there with it. This is a story that tells you to go with your gut and not let peer pressure force you into bad decisions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Lady Jane's relatives actually convinced her that since she was the great-granddaughter of Henry VII, that she should be the rightful queen. But Henry VIII's daughter, Mary I, which we talked about a little bit ago, she had different ideas. Mary I married Philip of Spain and was crowned queen. She immediately sentenced Lady Jane and her husband... Guilford Dudley to be executed. What? How old was she? Well, we're getting that. Numerous members of her family were beheaded at the tower, including her husband. Now, after his execution, Guilford Dudley's body was carted past the room where Lady Jane was being held so she could see oh my gosh. purposely his remains. Wow. The saddest part of the story to me is the fact that she came across as sweet and innocent. Yeah. You know, she was put in a bad spot. She wasn't looking to be queen. Yeah. Her relatives talked her into doing this, and it just did not. It pretty much signed her death warrant from the day that they asked her to do that. 
a prime example of her youth and honesty is when she was brought to the scaffold. They blindfolded her, and she had trouble locating that block that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And she's up there feeling around. Oh, gosh. And she's saying, what shall I do? Where is it? Oh, and to me, that just hits me as extremely sad. That's very sad. Oh my gosh, she died fifteen fifty four at the age of sixteen. <gasps> what? What are their obsessions with cutting off your dang head? I don't know. Her husband's ghost has been seen at the Beauchamp Towers, and it's said that his ghost will sit there and weep throughout the night. Aww. People claim that he's responsible for the word Jane. That was etched into the walls there, and it's still visible today. No way. Mm -hmm. Jane was sighted in 1957, walking along the tower's grounds. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. That's just a horrible story. Now we're going to get into the saddest story. There are a bunch of buttholes. <laughs> the Bloody Tower, and it's called that for a reason. This is the story of the two princes. April 9th, 1483... King Edward IV died unexpectedly after being sick for about three weeks. At the time of his death, the king had two sons, 12-year-old Edward V, who would now be the king, and nine-year-old brother Richard of Shrewsbury, uh, the Duke of York. The dead king, Edward IV, had a brother by the name of Richard III. He was the Duke of Gloucester. Now, before his death, Edward listed his brother, Richard III, as his kid's protector and guardian. So that's where the kids are going to go. So the new king, 12-year-old Edward, set out to meet his uncle, Richard III, with a group of advisors and, and family members on April 29th. The next day, Richard III had all of his advisors, including the family members, arrested, and on June 25th, they were beheaded. So Richard III then took Edward himself and had Edward's mother, Elizabeth Woodville, take her other son, Richard, the Duke of York, and her daughter to the sanctuary in Westminster Abbey. Edward and Richard, his uncle, arrived in London together. This was supposed to be for Edward's coronation as king, but the date was postponed from May 4th to the 25th of June, and he had very good reason for doing that. On May 19th, 1483, Edward was put up in the Tower of London, which is where all the other prior kings, queens, whatever the monarchs would be that were getting ready to be coronated, were held, so nothing was strange about that. On June 16th, he was joined by his little brother Richard. So now the two brothers, the two princes, were back together. Now, right after uh, Richard postponed the uh, coronation indefinitely. Okay. So now we went from having it in July to we mm -hmm. don't know when we we're going to have yeah. it. On June 22nd, at a sermon at St. Paul's Cross, it was preached that Richard III was the only real legitimate heir to the throne. Hmm. So now he starts getting the backing of he should be king and yeah. not this little boy. June 25th, a group of the Lord's Knights and Gentlemen petitioned Richard to take the throne. Both princes were declared illegitimate by Parliament and in a confirmation in uh, 1984 by an act of the Parliament. Now, what that basically means was there was an act that stated that King Edward and Elizabeth uh, Woodville's marriage was invalid because of Edward's uh, pre-contract from a marriage he had with uh, another lady, Eleanor Butler. Mm -hmm. 
So because of that, they're saying that their marriage wasn't legal with Elizabeth. Right. Therefore, those kids were couldn't be rightful heirs to the throne. Well, that makes sense. So Richard III was crowned king uh, on July 3rd. Okay. Most will tell you that this was a bullshit story and to get the throne away from the boys because they were not illegitimate. This was just what was done to bend the rules to get whoever in there. Well, I mean, aren't they awful young to be king anyway? But but that happened all the time. Matter oh. of fact, at the same time, France, well, we'll get into that in a few seconds, but when they're, the, France at the time had a, had a uh, leader that was like 13 years old. Oh, gosh. So, but this, this is the background on the story, and but it's not the fascinating part of the story. So what happens next shows you the cruelty of power-hungry individuals, I think. So after Richard took the throne, the two princes were taken um, to the inner apartments of the tower, and they were seen less and less until they disappeared altogether. So during this time when hardly anybody was seeing the young boys, King Edward was being seen regularly by a doctor. Now he said that Edward felt like death was facing him. Because he felt like this, he prepared for sacrifice. He sought remission for his sins and had daily confessions to try to mm-hmm. prepare for what was getting ready to happen to him. There are reports of seeing the princess play out on the tower ground shortly after Richard was brought to be with his brother Edward. There are no recording sightings, though, after the summer of 1483. An attempt to rescue them in late July failed, and many historians believe that the two princes were murdered near the end of the summer, 1483. Oh, man. In 1674, workmen that were uh, over by a staircase near the White Tower dug up a wooden box containing two small human skeletons. Oh, my gosh. Nobody even had a clue that whole time. It's widely accepted that these are the remains of the two princes, but it was never proven. King Charles had the bones buried at Westminster Abbey, and there's an inscription on a monument there that the bones were put in that pretty much alludes that King Richard III had him killed so he could take over the crown. Wow. I just don't get it. So, that's, yeah. that's really sad. It is really sad. Why me, Why people have to go that route? Because I think about them out there playing on the ground. I just oh, think about well, yeah. a, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old boy just playing around. And and they don't even know the responsibilities of all that. No, nope, I have no clue. And this is supposed to be their uncle. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like family didn't mean crap back in the days. They'll be hedging, and as soon as you turn your head around, I don't care. That's the way I feel about it. So can you see why the Tower of London may have a few ghosts running around? Yeah, that's just terrible. <laughs> you think that beheading crap would get old. They could think of something new. Or use a guillotine, like at least like the French did. Well, why you got to cut their heads off? That don't make no sense. Then you got all these heads you got to do something with. <laughs> I mean, when they used to do that, because they would, they would, um, you remember we were watching one of the videos and we didn't even get into the story, but they were talking about how they would take the heads out there and put them on these sticks and just it, like there was a bridge that you had to cross over to yeah, get to the I tower that. Yeah. and they, they would take all these people that they beheaded that would try to uh, overthrow the king or something and they would behead them and put their heads on those and put them out there. So you had to see them as you walked yeah. to the bridge. That's not cool. So that's the story, basically, that we've got. And um, 
before we get out of here, obviously, I want to play this video with Phil Holmes. Phil Holmes is, I've said before on here, he's a mentor to us. He's helped us a lot. And we talk about that during this when we first got into podcasting. He was uh, our first guest. Yep, he sure was. And, you know, he had a huge show and he didn't have to come on ours. I know it. And he did. And he's been a good friend ever since. And it's fun having him on this time to talk about the Tower of London and his show because he's totally redone his show. Mm Mm-hmm. And we could talk a little bit about that, but Phil is extremely funny. Yes, so this, he is. this is a fun interview. So let's take a listen to Phil Holmes real quick. Here at Freddy's, we could tell you how our original double is a steak burger made with 100% lean ground beef, cooked to order with deliciously crispy edges, and finished off with our Freddy's famous seasoning. But we'd rather let our original double speak for itself. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. Enjoy food made fresh the Freddy's way. Tap now or learn more at freddysusa.com. All right. Well, we got one of the few times that we've had a repeat guest on. Uh, I thought it would be fun since we're doing uh, an English episode with the Tower of London to bring on uh, my favorite Englishman, uh, Mr. Phil Holmes, host of Scared. Phil, what's going on, brother? Uh, Jerry, hey, nice to speak to you. And Jerry, I do find that... uh I do repeat on people. Normally, it gives them wind, but it's just nice to be back on the show. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I have the, had the opportunity to be on your show back on Halloween, and I uh, thought it would be a great opportunity this week to return the favor. Well, you know, I think this is my third time now on Hillbilly Horror Stories. And, um, well, as I said, the first two occasions, the check didn't clear. But now you've done credit card by a stripe, we're okay. And it's it's nice to be back. And I love the way... But you and Tracy are revisiting, like you've just done with uh, Bobby Mackey's, revisiting these places because uh, you can never get enough of some of these locations. And, of course, with you being near to Bobby Mackey's, uh, it's a brilliant idea. How's it going for you? It's going really well. I, I like doing the the revisits. I don't want to get um, overrun with them because there's only about 11 that we could do anyway. Uh, but I do think a couple of those stories got glossed over and needed to be better done. And I think the first one that we did here on, on Bobby Mackey's, I think it ended up being a lot better just with all the information and the interview we threw on and having uh, Bobby Mackey's little intro that uh, we recorded up there. And obviously you and Gabriel are huge Bobby Mackey fans. So we had Bobby do that little recording for you guys. I thought that was great um, that, um, you know, you got Bobby Mackey um and um, we've shared the video in in our scared group. Uh, you got Bobby Mackey in the in the darkest place on the planet Earth. To <laughs> you've recorded some video, so it's it's like a perfect silhouette. Well, you know, he's an older guy. He's he's in his seventies now. It's amazing what he actually does when you think about uh, the fact that he performs there every Friday and Saturday night. He doesn't even come on stage until ten p.m. And you know, this guy's in his mid seventies, and he just gets up there and, and you know does two or three sets and. You know, I don't know that I would have the energy to do that, but I went back in his little private room and there was about six, seven people in there. And this, this room was, you know, this, this size of a, a large bathroom. It was not very big at all. And I sat down literally right in front of him to record and it was kind of dark and I didn't want to put the, the light on because it literally would have blinded him from as close as he was sitting. <laughs> and then as soon as we got finished with that one, the one we did for you and Gabriel, 
Uh, I was going to have him do the other little piece. And right before we did that, somebody turned on a lamp in there and all of a sudden the light was great. So if he did, but no. I didn't want to ask him to do it again because I knew no. he had a bunch of people waiting to talk to him. So no, well, it was very kind what you did. And what I love about it is the fact that, that you guys are revisiting these locations. I, Jerry, me, c'est moi, I've had to reboot. I've had to do CPR on Scared. It's been a major bypass operation. You guys have just gone, let's go back and see Bobby Mackey. For me, down to the basics, pulling it apart, starting again. And I'm 45, Jerry. It's it's aged me, friend. It's aged me. Well, but in a sense, though, you're revisiting, too, because you're kind of going back to your radio days. It's true. And, you know, um, and if anybody listens to my show, uh, Scared, um, I've always had that problem apart from really with you guys, of time differences because, um, you know, you're on East Coast time in Kentucky. Um, now, that's normally, it's not at the moment because you, you've changed your clocks already. We haven't done ours yet. But normally, that's five hours before me. So, of course, what it, and I, I explain this, you know, and anybody listening that uh, deals outside of the United States, if, if you live there, uh, you know, people come home from work and they, they see the kids and they take the dog out and, and they have a you know, bowl of grits and uh, they want to talk at seven o'clock. Well, that's midnight for me. And if we're talking West Coast, uh, if we're talking Bigfoot stories or something like that from Washington State, then that's eight hours. So that's three o'clock in the morning. And that's why I was releasing shows sort of every month because I could never tie in a guest. And being a single dad as, as well as I am, um, if a guest had to cancel, you know, because of soccer practice or uh, uh, yoga lesson or maybe they got abducted by aliens, um, when we then tried to set it up again, it would be like in two weeks' time. And I, and I sat down and, uh, and I thought, well, I can't rely on guests anymore. Because of the time difference, I've got to fill it up with some other rubbish. I mean, new features. <laughs> so, so I went back to my, uh, I went back to my radio days where I would play songs and talk absolute rubbish, um, and uh, and that's what we're doing with the new sound of Scared, which is really the old sound, but just no guests. Even though the new episode is a guest from Kentucky, are you keeping up, Jerry? For goodness' sake, write some notes down, man, will you? I'm I'm trying here. I'm trying here. Yeah, I, I'm very trying. Let me tell you, I'm very <laughs> trying. Well, but before we get into this a little little deeper, let's go back and first say that that you were, I believe, the very first interview that I had on Hillbilly Horror Stories because you are a mentor to us, and I mean that in the truest sense of the words. I've probably learned more about the podcast business from talking with you than anybody. And that has been a friendship from the beginning that once we struck it up has uh, been long lasting. And you're still always around whenever I need any kind of help. And we bounce ideas off each other and and so on and so forth. And nothing has changed on that. You're still you're still every bit of a mentor. And I respect what you're doing. Uh, Obviously, Scared was one of the first podcasts on the paranormal that I actually listened to. And you have completely reinvented it because it was strictly listener stories and now you've uh you've taken it upon yourself to change it up to some features and and still do some listener stories but in a different way and pre-recorded and stuff like that and i think it takes a lot of balls to uh to take something that has been as successful as scared we're not talking about a show that wasn't working 
We're talking about a show that's had over a million listens, which 99% of the podcast out there will never get. You know, to take that kind of a show and to take the uh, the stance of, hey, I've got enough uh, moxie to be able to just change it because I've got that much um, faith in my abilities to make a success out of it, I think is a, is a great move, and I commend you for it. Well, you know, Jerry, bless you for that. And, and you and I have spoken uh, many times privately about this because the listening figure thing gets me and gets every podcast because um, you and I have discussed this. Depending who you keep your podcast with, your audio with, depending where your listeners download it, depends on your figures. Because every company, and you and I were different companies, they give out different figures. And, and we're with, uh, you're with uh, Audio Boom, right? Correct. Uh, I'm with Libsyn. They are two of the biggest, uh, Libsyn the biggest, uh, Audio Boom, one of the most respected players in the podcast market. So when you, when listeners, for you and for me, they, they discover podcasts and they go, we've got 8 trillion listeners. It, it doesn't actually mean a lot because it depends who the podcast is with. It's like, I always think, Jerry, and, and you and I have discussed this privately, it, it's like getting in your car and every speedo, every, do you call it a speedometer in, in America? Yes. It's like every speedometer is different. Now, you know, you'll get in your car, or you'll get in Tracy's car, or you'll get in the works truck, and they're all calibrated to be the same. But when it comes to podcasts, uh, the companies aren't calibrated to be the same. So it's like getting in one car and you're doing 50 down the highway. You get in another car and the police pull you over and they go, Mr. Paulie, you were speeding. And you go, well, no, it said 50, but actually we're doing 70. And that's the thing that's that's always got me with numbers. And the other thing is, um, you know, for listeners, they've got to remember that some shows come out daily. So if you are, you know, like the news shows, for instance, so it's very easy to get these huge numbers and talk about these huge numbers. You're releasing a show every day, for goodness sake. If you're releasing a show bi-weekly, as, as you normally do, uh, if you're releasing a show once every six months, like myself, you know, <laughs> don't get me started. The numbers mean nothing, really, as you know. And I know they don't bother you in the slightest. What matters are the reviews. You know, I spent 25 years on the radio, and I used to say to young radio broadcasters that I would trade, would you sooner have a million listeners to your radio show and get paid $10? Or would you sooner have 10 listeners and get paid a million dollars? And of course, people coming into radio go, well, I want a million listeners. <laughs> well, actually, you know, uh, what matters for us as, po as podcasters, uh, and for the majority of podcasters, including me and you, it's the quality of what we put out. It's the stories. It's the interaction with people. And then it's not how many listens you get. It's reading those lovely reviews, isn't it? The reviews that appreciate, yep. especially for you with all the research you do. And that's what I love about it. I love that interaction, that community. You and I, with our own shows, I think have built beautiful, wonderful communities. So, Phil, let's uh, let's jump off the podcast real quick. We're going to get back to it on the end because I want to make sure people know how to find you. But we're doing the show on Tower of London. Now, almost every list I've ever seen of the most haunted places in the world, Tower of London is number one in almost every one of them. Obviously, they've got a 900-year history. They had, they've had, you know, hundreds of executions there. So people hear 
they have this image of what the Tower of London is and what it means. And I'm trying to think from somebody who lives there, what do you think of when somebody mentions Tower of London? Do you think of it like that or because it's in your country, do you not think of it the way people outside the country would? Yeah. Jerry, do you know, what a great point. And I was going to say that and you've actually answered it. I don't think of it that way at all. I I was uh, doing a Facebook Live the other day with another paranormal podcast and um and i asked the question actually to uh to their listeners and i said what do you consider to be the most haunted place the, the most famous haunted place rather uh in england and all these places popped up and nobody mentioned the tower of london oh wow and i knew i was yeah and i knew i was doing this with you and and i said well look, i'm going on hillbilly and we, we you know jerry's going to be talking about the tower of london and uh, for this other english paranormal show everybody went No. (laughs) And I think what it is, as we know, for our shows, the audience are mainly in the United States. Um, I I know for my audience, it's 96% of my audience is the United States. Uh, Yours will be, of course, exactly the same, if not more of that, because you are American. We're typically about Um, 85%. Really? Well, that's fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is some some Americans don't like you. Let's move on, Jerry. Um, <laughs> stay in that. Don't be rude. Um, and I and I and you'll get the Facebook stats like me. I, I see it in our group on Facebook. It is about ninety four percent of people in our group are in America, and that's why I think the Tower of London comes to that top list because when you think paranormal. The, the the backing, the, the movement behind paranormal, TV shows like Ghost Adventures, podcasts like yours, books, it's normally coming out of the United States. And when it comes to something famous in England, you think of the Tower of London. And then you add in, well, of course, you know, there were, you know, uh, Henry VIII killed some, some of his wives killed there. We had a thing, actually, in the 1980s here on British television where they did on Halloween. I think it was the BBC, actually. Um, they did a live Halloween special. And uh, it was done at the Tower of London, well, just outside the Tower of London. And it was amazing. I mean, I remember watching it as a boy. I mean, I, I was a teenager, Jerry. You would have been in your late 30s, of course. But I was a teenager. <laughs> and, and we both had hair then. And... And I remember watching this, and uh, you got we got to the end of it, and it turned out it was just set up. It was a hoax. It was almost like an April Fool, but on Halloween. But that was done at Tower of London. And I always thought, why? I'll bet they're going to sell this to BBC America. Where I live in the UK, Gabriel and I live in an area which has more castles per square mile than anywhere else in the United Kingdom. Castles are literally at the end of every garden. I mean, we have hundreds of, we've got a famous castle here called Chillingham Castle. It looks haunted, Jim. And they do wonderful marketing for the castle itself. Now, they claim to be the most haunted place in England. But then anybody that's watched Ghost Adventures will know that, that, that uh, Zach Bagels came over <laughs> and uh, I think name, Zach Bagels, and um, they went to a pub. They went to a pub and that was meant to be the most haunted place. So I think when it comes to the Tower of London, because of its history, because of the Henry VIII thing, because of Elizabeth I, I think people around the world can picture. We're saying Tower of London now, and people can imagine the way it looks like. Do I think it's the most haunted place? No, because no paranormal team could ever get in there, because, of course, you know. If I was to say to you, Jerry, where do you keep your jewels? 
you'll probably say in your trousers, we will move on from that. That's where the Queen, of course, keeps her crown jewels. So you're not going to find Zach Bagels wandering around with an SB7 spirit box. It's a wonderful story. It's got to be haunted from what's there. The man in the iron mask. What a story that is. What a great film that was. So much has happened there over the years. But could it be the most haunted? I don't think, Jerry, we'd ever find out because nobody would be allowed in there. I think you and I should try this. You should come over here. Bring, bring your dictaphone. Bring your wife, by the way, as well. Uh, and we'll go in. You get Tracy to switch off the lights. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and and we'll, we'll do something. I, I think we'd probably be arrested uh, by the ter- terrorism squad in about three seconds. But is that what you think then? They, you're in America, but I know you're a massive fan of everything British, apart from myself, and you made that very clear. Um, when you think, of the most haunted place in Great Britain, the United Kingdom, or just England. Living in Kentucky, is that what you think, Tower of London? No, actually, it's not. But I'm partial to a couple of stories. I've always kind of leaned more towards the Borley Rectory. And um, uh, Boleskine House has always been kind of my top, but when it was, you know, not burnt down. See, I, being English and doing a paranormal load of rubbish myself, um, I don't think of those two either. Isn't that weird? I was going to ask you what you know when you have have your chats with like the other British uh, podcasters or paranormal uh, folks. What what do you guys feel comes up as the most haunted in your country? Um, well, the rectory you mentioned that comes up, um, but you know I think it's um, it it I think like anything paranormal, it's down to an interest. For instance, I live in this area which is full of castles. You know, the castles that have those, um, you know, the priest holes that they used to throw people. Um, dungeons. Um, if you, if any of your listeners ever come to London on holiday, the, one of the biggest places uh, you have to go on the tourist trail is the London Dungeon. Uh, there's a couple of them around uh, England. York, beautiful York. Old York, of course, not New York. Uh, it has one as well. So for me, there are so many castles, so many castles where all these atrocities happen. And that's an interest for me, being castles. Some people, of course, uh, you don't, of course, in America, you don't have old pubs. But we like, like the episode, um, where Zach Bagels came over and went to that old pub on Ghost Adventures. We have these pubs where you can go in and get, you know, a pint or, a, you know, a, um, lemonade for yourself and your good lady and these pubs are four five hundred years old and they've been a pub for that long we have here we have here where i am sat now in my tent we have a mile and a half away the first electric lighthouse in the world and it's my favorite episode of ghost adventures where they went to a lighthouse so i have a lighthouse thing going that lighthouse is said to be one of the most haunted places in northern england now right next to it is uh, a bar, a pub, and it's built into the cliffs right on the right on the sea, Jerry. And and they three hundred years ago they buried it, and it used to be caves for pirates, and there were tunnels under the beach. And then about a hundred years ago they made it into a bar, and now it's a bar and restaurant. Well, imagine the stories that place has got to tell. Yeah, that would so be I fun. always I always think when it comes to hauntings, it's it's what your interest is. When it comes to the Tower of London. I think a lot of people think of it being number one because Americans can picture it. You know, you can't picture my lighthouse or my little pub or, you know, a, a pub in Wiltshire 
which is 400 years old, you can picture the Tower of London and get the stories. And of course, you will tell later in this episode some amazing stories about it. So for me, no. But you know me, Jerry. I'm I'm a cryptoid fan, and, I, and I'm, I'm not talking about the XY before. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a cryptoid fan, and I have to add in that Gate. I mean, I know it's Tara London show, but um, I, I've always loved the whole cryptoid thing, the, the Bigfoot stories. Uh, ever since you know I was about thirteen, fourteen years old, and again, you would have been in your late forties. And we had the um, the, uh, the the monster of Boggy Creek that came onto the BBC. And that terrified me. Uh, and Gabriel and I watched Finding Bigfoot. By the way, Jerry, they haven't found him yet. I don't want to give you a spoiler, but not yet. Oh. I know, not yet. I and I was gutted. <laughs> I was gutted because we're so behind here. The Finding Bigfoot team came to the UK to look for Bigfoot. I, I, how he got a passport and got on the plane, I have no idea. But the Finding Bigfoot team <laughs> came to the UK and they investigated four miles from my house. <laughs> Now, I love that show. And if I had known that, we would have gone there. Gabriel and I would have gone there, hid in the woods, and started knocking the trees. You know what I'm saying, Jerry? Yeah. We would have done the calls. We would have ruined it. You know, small, fat, bold host of second-rate American paranormal podcast ruins American network TV show. They would have had to come. They would have had to have rebooted like me, Jerry, and it would have been tonight on found bigfoot and that, that's the end of it would have been the end <laughs> are we talking about the tower of london what how did we get onto well you, no wonder I, you have no a tendency to, to just wander it. off and just do what you do your own thing so it's the medication i'm on let me tell you and it's old age as well it's uh, where, where am i who are you where am i <laughs> well you wouldn't believe my episodes are only eight minutes long i let's go yeah un- unlike our show like i said I think one time you said our shows, some of them lasted for like three days, which is not the case. No, it, it's true because when, you know, when, when I start up, you know, your show and I think uh, it's going to be great. And then, of course, Tracy starts talking and the Tracyisms start coming out. And, and I'm using Google Translate to work out what on earth your wife's saying. <laughs> um, and then I think, right, that, you know, they're on to, oh, they're going back to Bobby Mackey's. So the next thing I know, I've, uh, I've grabbed a sleeping bag. And uh, I've ordered a takeout, and uh, well, it is three days later. I've aged, you know. People are banging on the door, thinking I've collapsed on the stairs, and I say, "No, I'm listening to the latest episode of Hillbilly Horror Stories." Tracy's on one tonight. <laughs> well, enough about our show. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell it's her- always about you, Gary. <laughs> me, me, me. <laughs> Tell us how the how everybody can find Scared. I can't imagine that people aren't already listening to it, but if they're not, tell them how they can find you. Tell them about you on social media and, and all the different ways that they can connect. All you have to donate is $100, and I will share the uh, private website address. No. <laughs> Just search on uh, Google Play, search on Stitcher. I have no idea what that is. Everybody seems to talk about it. Or, of course, in your iTunes or your podcast app for Scared. Scared's got a question mark it's a question, uh, but you don't need to put questions. Just search for Scared, or you can find us at scaredpodcast.com. Uh, and, um, and and we're very, very different to uh, uh, to Jerry's show. Uh, but um, I, uh, I, I've now decided, Jerry, um, to bring my wife on, and uh, I'm going to start selling shower curtains. Now, have you thought about that yourself? 
Well, I'm completely fine with it because I'm partial to the shower curtain business to begin with. And uh, <laughs> that's your new business. That's that's you know, <laughs> hey, it's a, it, there's a niche out there for it, and uh, people just overlooked it. And uh, but you know, now that we've sold the first one in six months. Um, it's got to be a market out there. It's ready to boom. You know, once you get that first one out of the way, the the rest are just going to go. It must be great. You know, you'll be in a bar with Tracy having a meal. You know, with with the uh, with with your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren and of course your great 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 grandchildren. And uh, people will come up and they say, uh, you know, what do you do anything apart from work? And uh, Tracy wants to go. Well, we, we've got this. We've got this enormous podcast. But and you just go. Well, we sell shower curtains. That's what we do. We just sell the shower curtain. Well, I mean, you've been on radio. You can't. You can't bury the lead. <laughs> That's all they care about. <laughs> How did you find Hillbilly Horror Stories? Was it you know from a friend? Or was it social media? Well, I bought this shower curtain, and it turned out there was a show behind it. It's it amazing. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Scared and Twitter Scared and Instagram Scared. And oh, I don't know. It's quite easy. I told you before, Jerry. Right. I have two brain cells, and the two of them don't like each other. They don't talk to one another. So when I wanted to come up with a paranormal show, I came up with the word scared because I anything else had gone. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, because uh, and, and I thought, well, that works. I, I've said to you before, you know, and uh, if I had here uh, a shop that sold something like flowers, it wouldn't be Phil's florists. I just call it the flower shop. If I had, uh, we have sweet shops here, and you and I have spoken about this, and you call it candy, of course, in America, where you, you take our language and change all the words, so we have no idea what you're saying. Uh, I would call it the sweet shop, or the candy store. And it's the same. When I when I did uh, my, uh, my uh, crime show, it's called Worst Crimes Ever, because that's as far as my brain will go. I couldn't come up with something clever. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a crime show out there called Case File. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> mine is worse. Mine is worst crimes ever, and that's it's as far as I go. When I read hillbilly horror stories, I had to put that into Google to work out what the three words meant. <laughs> I'm all right now, but you can find us everywhere. Please do, and and please do because we need the listeners. Goodness, we need them too. <laughs> well, for for everyone that says that the British don't have a sense of humor, here was your proof. Um, Phil, great having you on, brother. More, you, more times coming up. Uh, we'll have you back on again sometime in the future when we do some more English stories. And you've always got great stories to tell. That's why I love having you on. I can just kind of let you go. And, uh, yeah, I know it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be great stuff to listen to. So it's been fun. I appreciate it. Hey, man. Uh, you know, thanks for your kind words at the beginning. Uh, the wonderful thing about this is I go back to that community word, actually, that, that you and I and, Tracy have become friends. Tracy and me a bit more than me and you, of course. I mean, who who can blame her? Because she seems to have a thing for short, bold, slightly overweight men. But but we've all become friends, and you you guys support me and my show, and you support my son and uh, and our lives, and your lovely people. So thank you so so much. I appreciate it, man. And uh, you guys are easy to get along with, so it's not uh, not that big of a chore on our end. That's for sure. How can you not listen to Phil Holmes and not want to just run right over and listen to his show? He's so damn funny. He is funny. I love his accent. And every time we get on the the phone, it seems like we're on the phone for like two hours talking. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty fun guy. I'm a real nice guy. So uh, check out Scared when you get the opportunity. At the beginning of the show, 
you heard uh, a new friend of ours, a new uh, member of the Dark Mids Collective, Katie Byrne, her show, Southern Grimoire. Did I say that right? I think I did. Grimoire? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so. Her show is really good. It's one that, you know, we don't steer you wrong on shows. Go listen to it. She's fairly new. Uh, she's got, a, you know, I think eight or nine episodes. It's not, not a lot of episodes yeah. yet, but you'll like what you hear. Once you start listening to it, you'll be stuck to it. And they're not really long, so like our shows. <laughs> so yeah. I think you'll love it. It's Phil, you know, like to make fun of our length of our shows. But uh, give them a listen. Guys, we can't thank you enough for everything you do for us, all the reviews, all the shirts that you buy. We just posted a, a picture of Natasha Ali, who runs our Facebook group, and, and the shirt that she's got. We can't, well, I want to give a special thank you for her. She puts in a lot of work. She to sure does. Help us, and we greatly appreciate that. So you can buy your own shirts, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Added a couple of new logos to it. Um, so we got six, seven, eight logos yeah. out there now. So these are a little more plain and simple, but people like those. Also, I wanted to mention again, we've got a code coming, but we will be at Pottern Love Podcast Festival in August. So excited for that. Cannot yep. wait. Yep. It's going to be Generation Y is going to be there. Twisted Philly be there. History Goes Bump. Pleasing Terrors. I can't even begin to name to mention everybody, but if you just go to the Pottern Love uh, Podcast Festival. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to check them out online and be able to see everything. And as soon as we get a discount code, uh, probably hopefully by next week's show, we'll be able to give it to you and you can save some money on tickets. Yeah, sounds great. I want to give a shout out to our uh, Wildcats. Go Cats. Yep, Sweet 16. Go Cats. Yeah, proud of you guys. Keep on going. And uh, for all you Louisville Cardinal fans, there's always five years from now. Yeah, sorry. After, you know, all the probation and stuff like that. But Sorry, little birdies. So. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Hope you have a great week. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme has everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. The best wing joints all know they need a buffalo wing and a hot honey wing sauced and tossed to order. They also know they need a solid crinkle fry and a drive through and a signature roast beef and a logo that's a big red hat and a... Oh, is that just Arby's? Well then, follow along, wing joints. This is how it's done. Arby's new $6 boneless wings and crinkle fries. Arby's, we have the meat. At participating Arby's for a limited time. Take control of your future today with life-changing opportunities from the U.S. Army. Enlist now and earn up to a 50K bonus. It's a great start to an amazing career. Get started at GoArmy.com. Terms and conditions apply. Spring is here, which means it's time to take advantage of the Home Depot low-price guarantee. 
We're offering the best brands at the best prices so you can take on as much as you want. Add the thrill of a great deal to the satisfaction of getting your projects done. And if you find a lower price from one of our competitors, we'll match it. Because when we say nobody beats our prices, we mean it. It feels like spring savings at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! <laughs> yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One NA member FDIC. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme has everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. Take control of your future today with life-changing opportunities from the U.S. Army. Enlist now and earn up to a 50K bonus. It's a great start to an amazing career. Get started at GoArmy.com. Terms and conditions apply.